1: So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there.
2: As the sun sets on the big city, one lone figure swings above. Dressed in red, web slinging around the buildings... Barely concealing his snout, Spider-Ham scans the area for trouble. It is then that he sees a blue creature of some kind flip a kid over on a tricycle and run away. Spider-Ham swoops down to street level and finds Stitch there, waiting for him. Hey friend, you can't treat kids like that, the talking pig exclaims. Stitch looks around. He's not getting captured today, even if that means going on the offensive. As he leaps forth, prepared to make bacon out of the wall crawler on this night. It's Peter Porker versus Experiment 626. It's the Web Warrior versus the Little Monster. It's Spider-Ham versus Stitch. Today on Who Would Win? And
1: welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gabzy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Robert Clark Chan, and the executive VP of Who Would Win, Brent Pope. We have another great matchup for you today, where two of the most powerful yet most mysterious characters in all of geek culture battle it out to see who is left standing. You guessed it, the all-powerful Stitch, repped by Robert Clark Chan, attempts to beat Spider-Ham, repped by Brent Pope. Now, as usual, I did the patented who would win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed, and who am I kidding? Uh, Who hasn't discussed this matchup before? It's appeared so many times in a Google search that an actual hand came out of the screen, gave me the middle finger, and slapped me in the face for even thinking about this matchup. I think we got to see this happen, Who Would Win style. Robert Clark Chan, what are your thoughts on today's matchup?
0: I assumed that no one had thought of this, and I was a genius for offering it up. So I am mad at the world, which is nothing new. That's true. You do seem to have this uh, bitterness about you that
1: fuels you for every time you're on the Who Would Win show. This is no different. He's up, as usual, against the executive VP of Who Would Win, Brent Pope repping Spider-Ham. Brent, give us your thoughts in today's battle.
3: Uh, I think they're both very fun characters that are kind of beloved characters. I think maybe people know a little more about uh, Stitch than Spider-Ham. I'm uh, very happy to enlighten everyone about the delightful world of Spider-Ham from the, uh, the Zooniverse.
1: Now, is this something like, you know, you're a big fan of geek culture, Robert Clark Chan. Is this something that you've known about for years? Like, if I go to your place, I never will. I'm never invited. But if I went to your house, would there be a whole collection of comic books of Spider-Ham, the Marvel's universe, the whole thing there? Are you just that big of a fan of Spider-Ham?
3: I, You know, I've honestly, I always thought Spider-Ham was just kind of funny. And, you know, he was in, into the Spider-Verse, so he had his appearance there. And then I've seen him, like, randomly. He'll show up in all these different, you know, as kind of the... The, the funny, uh, you know, comic uh, relief. But I did not actually delve into the uh, 16 episodes of S- Spider-Ham. Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. Uh, <laughs> but I did to research for this battle. So <laughs> uh,
0: I'm going to jump in and say, because you should have come to me, because back when Marvel released their kids line, it was called Star Comics, the first title they put out Was Peter Porker the Amazing Spider Ham? I picked that up along with uh, I think it was like Wally the Wizard, and like there are a few other titles. So I I have original copies from back
1: in the day.
3: Cool. You
0: know, I never would have thought that uh, Spider
1: Ham would have been more popular than the uh, you know the infamous uh, NFL Super Pro, also released by uh, Marvel by mistake that one time. Mm. Now. Listen, guys, when you have such an epic matchup, you need to bring in a judge who's equally epic. So without wasting any more time, let's introduce our guest, Judge Making, their 165th appearance on the Who Would Win Show. You know him from the My Three Dads podcast and the award-winning Knowing is half the podcast. It's the one. It's the only. It's Ray Stekanis. Ray, welcome back to Who Would Win.
2: I feel honored to be a part of this uh, historical event in Who Would Win Show history. Well, Ray, you know, you...
1: you It's a historic matchup, but, you know, speaking of historic, congratulations on your Emmy nomination for your newest series. Thank you. Uh, Young Ray, now on both uh, streaming on Peacock and NBC. That's right. Uh, You know, how did that whole series come to be? You know, how did you get the starring role? And what's next for Race to Canis? Well,
2: you know, they approached me, obviously. You know, if you've seen any of my old blog posts that go back 12, 14, 20 years and see some of the old comedy bits that I've written back then and YouTube videos that I performed in back when I had... Had much more hair uh, back when I was much slimmer, but equally as hilarious uh, as I am now. Uh, Producers, they reached out. They said, you know, we've got young Sheldon. We've got young Rock. Obviously, we need somebody in between those two people. You seem (laughs) to fit that mold. Young Ray is an obvious thing for everyone. Uh, And I did not let up. All the embarrassing stuff is in there. I wanted it to be as real as possible. And thank you for bringing up the Emmy, which I assume will be coming soon.
1: You know, I I love how you describe that. It's kind of a combination of you know young Sheldon and young Rock, and you're somewhere in between. Because this isn't the first episode an actually cloning experiment gone wrong? Right. Where young Sheldon and young Rock, one of the young Rocks anyway, get together in that same cloning device that you know Jeff Goldblum went into with a fly. Correct. And then some weird stuff happens, and all of a sudden there's young Ray. How did you come up with that crazy idea? Well,
2: a crazy idea that's based on my real life, James Gaffney. Uh, That's actually how I came to be in this world. I was a fully formed 16-year-old walking out the door because of an experiment, like, exactly like you described. Can I just say that,
0: like, I I, I used to really love crossovers, but after uh, Endgame and after Into the Spider-Verse and after uh no way home the fact that they did a cross uh network thing with young sheldon from over on cbs and young rock over on nbc just crossing over universes like that i i i, I don't care for it i don't care for it i'm sorry i just i don't want to wow. uh rain on anybody's parade but not a fan wow brent pope what do you
1: say what what you know are you a fan of the uh you know you've been on the young rock show of course are you a fan of the young ray
3: show <laughs> Um, look, he's got to be better looking at some point. I mean, right. So I'm all a fan of uh, seeing a, a Ray that looks just a little more uh, you know, appealing. What, what am I saying? Ray is a very handsome. I forgot he's the judge. Very handsome man. I uh, <laughs> like to learn all about his childhood. See how he became such a spectacular specimen that he is today.
2: I, I will say I am very excited that they got Timothy Chalamont to play me on the show. That guy's everywhere.
1: All right, guys, listen, we have an epic matchup. We've got Robert Clark Chan, we've got Brent Pope, we've got possibly the greatest judge we've ever had in the history of who'd win, Racey Canis, on here to decide this whole thing. Let's go ahead and announce today's matchup.
2: Representing Marvel Comics, the hero who is better poor seen than poor heard, Spider Ham. And representing Disney, the alien who dresses himself in fancy clothes. It's a real suit yourself situation, Stitch. Well done, Ray. Now,
1: before we go any further, let's go over the official rules about who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Robert Clark Chen, what version of Stitch will you be using for today's matchup?
0: Look, there are a lot of different versions. There are There is the original movie. There is three uh, uh, sequel movies. There's a bunch of shorts. Uh, there's even a manga. Uh, but I'm going to stick with the animated version of Stitch ditch uh, the continuity there all flows all in peace
1: very good Brent
0: Pope what version of
1: spider ham will you be using today
3: well since spider ham had his own 16 episode run of Peter Porker, the spectacular spider man which is a little more adult than the, the, the one that Chan was talking about uh, earlier I'm going to use be drawing from that and just because he's also part of the official MCU multiverse I will also talk a little bit about his appearance there just to help show how his skills might translate to universes other than his own
0: Ooh,
1: intriguing.
3: Bending the
0: rules already. Typical. <laughs> <laughs>
1: rule number four, debaters may use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. Finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic, raise the That means that you indeed have the power in today's episode. I like that.
2: Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need, indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring You can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to U.S. Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning.
1: Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash www offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash www indeed.com slash www terms and
2: conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. We have a new sponsor for who would win. And I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel strike force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. And now, let's get to the tale of
1: the tape for both of our combatants. Robert, please give us the details for Stitch.
0: Experiment 626, officially licensed and registered by Aloha Animal Rescue as Stitch, first appeared in the 2002 Disney animated film Lilo and Stitch. He since appeared in three sequel films, a sequel series, and countless shorts, video games, commercials, interstitials, manga, and other international spinoffs. Stitch is an illegal genetic experiment created by evil intergalactic scientist Jumbo Jukiba. He is the obscene amalgamation of six of the galaxy's deadliest predators the fearsome Mangaloid of Upmoriad in four, the goo gobbling Booger Beast, the people eating Puss Monkey, the deadly disemboweler, the boiling Tungboid, and the bottom feeding Scumsucker. Conceived of by Chris Sanders in 1985, the character of Stitch was originally intended for a children's book. He was approached years later by then-Disney CEO Michael Eisner to produce a low-cost follow-up to such expensive blockbusters as Lion King and the Beauty Beast. And the Beauty Beast? (laughs) And Beauty and the Beast? Fun fact, one of the great things about the Leland Stitch movie is the undercurrent of darkness that runs through the whole film. But the original version was much darker. Most people know that in the original climax, Stitch flies a plane through downtown, nearly toppling several buildings. This wouldn't have been too bad, except that the movie was to be released a few months after 9-11, so you see how that might not be so great. But that's not all. During the final fight at Lilo's house, Stitch was to use a chainsaw on Jumba and blow up the house by tearing apart a gas pipe. In the opening scene, Lilo climbs into a dryer to hide. This is particularly traumatizing if you had a kitten crawl into your dryer as a child. Not that that ever happened to me. And her name wasn't Lisa, and I still don't worry about it every single time I do laundry. (laughs) And worst of all, there's a deleted scene in which Stitch is responsible for the death of Pudge the Fish. Yes, he who controls the weather. They take Pudge's body to the same graveyard as Lilo's parents, so if the first ten minutes of Up was too much for you, just know you dodged a bullet. And that's Stitch.
1: Wow, Robert Clark Chan, do you need a hug?
0: Man, this entire show is like one warm hug to me disturbing.
1: All right. Well done, Robert. Uh, Brent, please give us the details for Spider-Ham.
3: Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, was created by Tom DeFalco and Mark Armstrong in 1983, making his first appearance in Marvel Tales, T-A-I-L-S, number one. Spider-Ham lives on Earth 8311, a.k.a. the Zooniverse, which is filled with animal versions of superheroes and villains from our own Earth. Peter was a regular spider who lived in the basement of a genius scientist, May Porker. When May Porker's atomic hairdryer experiment went wrong, she got irradiated, stumbled over to Peter's spiderweb. Bit him on the head, irradiating him and turning him into a five foot two, ninety five pound dude in pig form with Spider-Man abilities and May Porker's genius scientist intellect. Fun fact number one: May Porker got amnesia from her accident. When she woke up, and she thought Spider was she thought Peter was her nephew, and he didn't want to upset her, so he just went along with it. Fun fact number two. It appears that there are no humans on Earth 8311, but Into the Spider-Verse producers confirmed that there are, and that when Spider-Ham eats one of his many hot dogs, that they are made from people! And that Like is Spider-Ham.
1: Oh, isn't that just, like, regular hot dogs? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> just for just that, Spider-Ham? All right. All right. This bodes this very well for a great episode. Ray... Do you have any questions before we get started?
2: This has already taken a much darker turn than I was expecting for two delightful (laughs) children's characters. One, we have Spider-Ham, the cannibal. Not a cannibal, I guess, because he's not human, but he eats humans. That's pretty disturbing. And then you've got Stitch, who was going to, did you say 9-11, a bunch of buildings in the original cut?
0: Yes, indeed.
2: Uh, That is this. I'm already upset, and this hasn't even really officially begun yet. I, I really didn't expect this to go dark, much less go dark this quickly. I'm not sure I'm ready for it, but I'm ready for it.
1: No one's ever ready for this. You just got to deal with it. With that being said, Robert Clark Chan, hit us with your point number one.
0: He is bulletproof, fireproof, and can think faster than a supercomputer. He can see in the dark and lift objects 3,000 times his size. His only instinct to destroy everything he touches. That is a quote from the creator of Experiment 626, Jumbo. He's an agent of pure chaos and destruction, okay? So we can start out by saying, without question, in the words of many previous battles, he is willing to go there. He has the psychology to finish off an opponent, none of this namby-pamby stuff where he's trying to be a hero or what have you. But he's got a lot of uh, assets The work in his favor beyond the psychology. Durability. He's fireproof. He's shockproof. He's bulletproof. He can survive a direct hit from a plasma cannon and just be lightly stunned. He survived a space crash. He survived a fall of several thousand feet. He survived being run over by three tractor trailers hauling gasoline. He survived a tractor trailer hauling gasoline being driven into a volcano. What's the end result of that? He uses the explosion as propulsion to catch a retreating spacecraft. He can survive in the vacuum of space. And here's what you may not know. Unlike a human body, which is 60% water, his body is 62.7% snot. How is that relevant? Well, as you well know, the human body isn't able to survive the pressure of the bottom of the ocean. In the movie The Abyss, they use a liquid breathing apparatus, essentially filling their lungs with a super oxygenated liquid, making them more able to survive the pressure of the depths. Mucus is obviously more resilient than water, makes them that much tougher than any carbon based life form. This guy is smart. He's like a MacGyver. He can build a bomb out of a plasma bolt, uh, Lilo's doll scrump, and a roller skate. He can build a mechanical bowl out of a toaster, a vacuum cleaner, and a lamp. He constructed a DNA double helix from coconuts, hollow sticks, and a turntable. He learned how to play the ukulele just like that. He is able to drive vehicles up to and including piloting intergalactic spaceships through hyperspace without a lesson. He is essentially the pilot that Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader is, okay? If you want to talk devious, his whole thing is to back up sewers, reverse street signs, and steal everyone's left shoe. He is basically, uh, basically there to undermine civilizations, much like Black Panther villain Killmonger. He's very skilled at hand-to-hand combat. He's got those forearms. You can't see him. You don't know where they're coming from, then pow! Knock you on your butt. He's His spines. He's got three spines on his back. They have venom sacks. He's always got four plasma guns on him at all times. Where are they? Where are his pockets? Who knows? But all of a sudden, there you are, facing down four plasma pistols. You want to talk master disguise? None of this uh, turtle business. We're talking like Ethan Hunt-level disguises. He hides in plain sight as a dog in a dog pound. For references, take a step back, think about this. He's a blue koala. With six legs, foot-long rabbit ears, mouth like a shark, 18-inch porcupine spines along his back, and an antenna on his head. And he passed as a dog. He's got night vision, infrared vision, X-ray vision, ultraviolet vision, telescopic vision. He's got uh, the the sensory filaments in his nose are so dense that if if they are unraveled, they could blanket the Earth. Uh, I, I don't even know if I have time to get into his speed. He can grow wings like a flying squirrel. He can roll up and move around like a wrecking ball. He squeezes in spaces like an octopus. The pads on his hands secrete a sticky substance, making it possible for him to scale walls. A wall crawler, if you will. So if he can wall crawl, and fly and move at incredible speeds and can see in the dark. He can uh, disguise himself. You can't even see him. He's like a combination Ethan Hunter and Iron Claw from G.I. Joe Extreme, since I know that this is Ray judging. MacGyver, uh, Darth Vader. Uh, he, he's, he's as durable as the juggernaut. So all of that is why Stitch is going to kick some butt, and that is my point number one.
3: Okay, look. I, there was some impressive stuff there, Chan. Some of that I knew. I did watch uh, a lot of animated Stitch stuff. I will say, uh, you got Lilo and Stitch. You got uh, Leroy and Stitch. You got mm-hmm. Stitch Has a Glitch. You got mm-hmm. the uh, Lilo and Stitch the TV series. Look, mm-hmm. uh uh, you're saying that he's he's sent to Earth. He's going to back up sewers, reverse street signs, and steal everyone's left shoe. I mean, that sounds more like a frat boy on Pledge Week to me than he does like he's destroying civilization. I'm just going to say that for what it is. Is there anything uh,
0: scarier than a frat boy?
3: <laughs> I tonight? mean, you make a good point there. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know, he he is very durable. But uh, he's supposed to, for a guy that's bulletproof, he sure did uh, take that uh, needle right into his belly right away in the movie. Went right through him and they s- sucked out some of that snot. So maybe he's bulletproof, but he's not needleproof. It's an intergalactic needle. Interesting. Okay. Maybe it's, yeah. And, you know, for a guy that's durable, he got knocked out four times unconscious during that movie. So, you know, that might come into play a little bit later. It just seems like he is durable, but he gets knocked out a lot. So let me still with my uh, point number one here. Point number one for Spider-Ham. Let's just talk about Spider-Ham's arsenal of weapons at his disposal and just how strong those weapons are. In general, he's kind of got the same general powers as like the 616 version of Peter Parker Spider-Man, with a couple exceptions. He does have web shooters. He's very proficient with them, wraps up villains, grabs them with webs, helicopters them around, makes big slingshots of webs. Catapults him into villains with a powerful tech. Swings from buildings, of course. He even co- coated himself in webs to be able to change into costume, and then just simply bursts out of the webs, which are pretty powerful webs. We'll talk more about that later. Let's talk about his speed. He has dodged punches. He uh, he, dodge punches, dodges kicks, dodges cars. More importantly, bullets from machine guns and other types of guns. He even created. He's so strong. He created a training machine, a little like the the danger machine, like the X Men danger room that the X Men have to, to allow him to defeat enemies 13 times his size. He was so strong that he immediately overloaded the machine and had to build it again stronger. Now, let's talk about his Spidey Sense. This might be a big deal. Another reason he doesn't get hit by things like bullets, not only just his speed, not only is he fast, he has Spidey Sense, just like Spider-Man. When he's in danger of being injured, the Spidey Sense kicks in. He's able to get out of most attacks uh, before it happens. Speaking of strength, he once had a five-story building almost fall on him when Hulk Bunny... Knocked down a building. He's able to hold the building up over his head long enough that it said several minutes later in the comic. He would not let that building fall because Captain AmeriCat was passed out. And he would not let that building fall on top of Captain AmeriCat. He just wouldn't let that happen, Captain AmeriCat. An AmeriCat hero. He wouldn't let it happen. He punched a baddie so hard that one, t- one time he punched a guy so hard, he flew up in the air. It went higher than an airplane that was passing by. That's some serious strength. He is not messing around. And here's the big difference he has from from the normal Spider-Man that we're used to. He's got Toon Force. Like, he uses this in many different ways. One of them is, just like the regular Spider-Man, he's got to change costumes. He doesn't have the uh, Stark armor that just turns the costume on anytime he wants. He he is so strong. He has such strong Toon Force he will let things just flatten him so he can safely change costumes without being seen. Let me give you an example. One time there was a panicking mob. People were running from a concert. He simply put himself under the, the panicking mob, let them trample him while he, <laughs> to, to, to flatness while he changed his costume and then popped up, did the whole thumb in the mouth, blew himself back up like a balloon. He was fine. He also did the same thing when he's working for uh, his boss, J. Jonah Jackal at the Daily Beagle. <laughs> He's a photographer there. Is he a porcographer? I don't know. uh He sometimes will, he's about to get caught. He has to change costumes. He'll just jump into the printing press, change costumes in the printing press, come out flat as a board, thumb in the mouth, blow himself back up. Okay. We've seen him do the whole duck season, rabbit season, reverse psychology attack. That's pretty impressive. We've also seen him do the whole Scooby Doo, multiplying bodies, going in and out of doors to create confusion. He creates weapons from nothing. More on that later. I would say that he's you know the fact that he's able to uh, punch a guy up past an airplane he's probably lifting more than three three thousand times his own weight I think this is a very important distinction spider-man has power he can lift up to 25 tons stitch can lift three thousand times his own weight and not an ounce more this has been discussed on the show several times that's why when he has intergalactic handcuffs from his own country, or he has a web uh, a net shot at him and he gets in it, he can't get out because they said they make it 3,001 times his weight. It's very weird. I guess maybe his weight doesn't ever fluctuate at all. I guess that's like <laughs> what they're saying in this universe. I, I'm not going to worry about that. Robert Clark Chan, how much do you think Stitch weighs? That's my question to you.
0: You know what? We're going to get into that.
3: Okay. We're going to get into it. Good. Then we get into it, then I'll rebut it because I have some stuff to say about how much he might weigh and how much he might be able to lift. So let's just save that for later. Let's just say that he's so strong that if he gets in a stitch, he might punch him past an airplane too. So all the kids on the plane can see such a marvelous sight. And that's my point. Number one.
0: You've got some good points. I like it. Uh, He's able to use those web shooters to sling people around, catch people. It's a very familiar technique for Stitch. He uses a sort of Aikido in his own way. He's been shot at multiple times with plasma uh, guns, and he catches it, spins it around, turns it on, flings it right back at the opponent. That's that's well-tread territory for him. Tune Force. I'm afraid of Tune Force. There's all sorts of things that uh, you can do with Tune Force. Like, uh, oh, change your costume. <laughs> cool, man. I mean, yeah, change costume as often as you want in this fight. It's not going to be able to do anything to a guy who uh, is, is literally uh, a threat on a galactic level. Also, I think it's uh, like Captain America's pretty funny. J. Jonah Jackal's pretty funny. Hulk Bunny? That's a terrible name. Yeah, I don't is, get it either.
3: No. They
0: no, they went to lunch on that one. Also, I think it's disgusting that you would bring up porcography like that. Um, <laughs> I, th- or as we call it, Porco, um, it's not a, this is a family friendly show. So I don't think that, that that should just be struck from the record straight off the bat.
3: There are dozens of us, Chan. Dozens. Fair.
1: Wow. All right. This is uh, a very interesting point. Number one, race to Canis. You've heard points one from both Robert and Brent. Where's your head
2: at so far with this battle? I don't know how people do this sitting in the judge's chair. <laughs> uh, so first off, crazy. Uh, uh, to, to oh, both. Eon,
0: come on, man. What's up? Go back to bed. It's already too late. I Jan, didn't... what are you doing? What? Where, where did you? How did What's you get a glass of soda? You don't even know how to drink soda. Why would you? Hey, hey, hey! Stay away! Stay away from the router. Stay away from the router. Never mind, fixed it.
2: Oh, okay, great. So I'll go ahead and continue. Turns out it then. wasn't
0: a router. It was, uh, it was a block of cheese. Oh, hate it when I, that happens.
2: I, I keep those laying around uh, the electronics as well. It just, you know, when the mice's going to bite some. I, it makes sense. I get it. Now, one of the things I have questions about here. Now, th- I these are just your point number ones. To me, there was enough information in here to fill one, two, and three. I hope you guys left something left for future points because this is crazy to me. You got to start off with Stitch because that's who I wrote down first here. Bulletproof. Doesn't seem like he can really be hurt. But then again, Brent Pope said he's been knocked out four times. I'm going to need more information about that, because the way Chan described him, he seems to be pretty indestructible, made of, what, 62% snot? A master of disguise. He's carrying four plasma guns. That's pretty dangerous. Uh And, and amazing vision, strength. This is pretty outrageous. And then Spider-Ham on the other side. I know Spider-Man, and I've heard... The one thing I know about Spider Ham is that he's the most, uh, allegedly, the most powerful of all the Spider Man type characters. Now, the person who told me that was Brent Pope a week ago, (laughs) so I don't know if I should even believe it. But my point is is that he also, super strength, super durability, and Toon Force, and to what Chan said, and I think Chan said an important thing here, the the Toon Force I wanna hear more about. I need some more specifics if you have them, because if all he's doing is using it to change his clothes, I'm gonna assume at the start of this battle, he's already dressed in his costume to begin with, therefore Toon Force to change your outfit, completely off the table. That first round, very, very close. I'm I'm gonna lean towards Stitch, Where I'm at right now, he just presented me a little bit more stuff to sink my talons into, and I need more specifics going forward. Specifics are where you guys are both going to win, so hit me with them.
1: Very interesting. All right, guys, one might be slightly ahead, but
0: it's not by much. Robert Clark Chan, hit us with your point number two. I think you know that I'm going to bring you the specifics. Round one was typical feats, you know, Typical feats like being stronger than Zeus and Ares, the god of war. Uh, We'll start out with Speed. In the series, he's rounding up all of the uh, 625 experiments that came before him. Uh, Stitch had to tackle an insane variety of opponents there. Among those are French Fry who moves at lightning speed. He cooks a meal for dozens of people in two seconds. There's Zap, a living laser beam. There's Experiment 625, who moves fast enough that he appears to have multiple copies of himself. There's Sparky, who literally becomes electricity. He keeps up with all of them. Now, does that mean that he moves at the speed of light and therefore is capable of an infinite mass punch? No, of course not, because the infinite mass punch is nonsense, and Ray knows that. But his combat savvy makes him able to track these creatures that move at absurd, physics-defying speeds. Speaking of physics-defying, let's go back to durability. Stitch has survived going into a black hole. The possibilities here are simply mind-boggling. If you don't know, black holes suck. Okay, they spew out gamma rays and X-rays, not the kind that are going to turn you into the Hulk or show you your bones, the kind that scorch an entire solar systems, rendering them devoid of life. That's how powerful the radiation there is near the event horizon of a black hole. Then there's spaghettification. You know about time dilation, if you've seen Interstellar, Matthew McConaughey, and uh, uh, Hathaway, Anne Hathaway? She goes down to that super dense planet, and they're only there for a few hours, but it's then it's like 23 years later up in the orbiter. It's kind of like that, only instead of the time difference being different uh, on this planet versus being up in space, the dilation happens between your feet and your head. So your body is elongated vertically and time moves differently at down at your toes and it does at the top of your noggin and your body's being compressed horizontally at the same time. Essentially you become a piece of spaghetti as the tidal forces of the black hole rip you into your component atoms. And guess who survived that stitch? What is a radioactive pig going to do against that? Let's bring up. You're 25 tons. You're, you're destroying a, a fighting machine that's 13 times your size, Spider-Ham. That's adorable. Stitch's muscles contain excessively compressed amounts of myofibril in one muscle cell. The muscular arrangement makes Stitch's muscles contract a thousand times faster than a human's muscle and makes them that much more powerful. It's scalable. We're going to come back to that. This is not the end of the strength. So how strong is Stitch? A muskox can carry about one and a half times its own body weight. It's pretty heavy. A tiger can drag twice its body weight up a tree. A gorilla can do 10 times its body weight. Just press it right over its head. Once you get into insects, it gets nuts. A dung beetle can carry 1,141 times its own weight. Stitch does 3,000 times its body weight. How heavy is Stitch? Well, let's see. A five-foot-tall gorilla, who uh, is also very dense probably not as dense as an alien like this, but let's say, you know, it's, it's strong enough. A five foot tall gorilla average is about 500 pounds. So scale down stitch uh, three feet tall. He's about 300 pounds. What's 3000 times that, I don't know, 900,000 pounds, 450 tons. That puts him into the class 100 on the Marvel scale, Hulk Galactus, the beyonder Thanos. These are the types of people that he's going up with on a strength level. So you're going to tell me this little pig who, oh, 13 times, those, oh, my goodness, 25 tons, 25 tons. He could lift that with, his, with any part of his body that you wouldn't normally lift something with. Easy peasy. Stitch is going to pick him up and fling him into space, man. That's my point number two.
3: Okay, now I've, these are some shenanigans and some like uh, fabrications and exaggerations of of, of immense proportions. Robert it's Clark math Chan. and science. Oh, math interesting. Science. Let's get into math and science then. Here's what I saw in the Lilo and Stitch movie. I saw Lilo, a seven-year-old girl, dragging Stitch around the room. Hmm, Ray, you have a seven-year-old girl, don't you? How much weight do you think she could drag around the room? Three hundred pounds. To be, fair, pounds? to be
2: fair, Brent Pope, she's four and a half, and she can, in fact, lift 300 pounds. Okay,
3: yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say... Good gene, yeah. Uh Seven-year-old kid, I'm going to say they could drag around 20 pounds at most. We've also seen Lilo's sister hold Stitch in one arm for over a minute during the movie, where he, she's sitting and he's wriggling to get out. She just keeps getting him, grabbing him in the other arm. This, this is not 300 pounds. It's not even close to 300 pounds. I will generously say that maybe maybe he's twenty five pounds, so that then you're up to like seventy five thousand right that's more like what thirty seven tons that's what i'm that's what I, that's what my math says to me out of three thousand times 25, 75,000, yeah, so I mean spider man was able to punch a dude up past an airplane. I gotta say that he's pretty strong. why are you laughing, Ray? What is happening? <laughs> Look, Spider Man. the, The point, the point, the really point. I'm pushing back on this is because Spider Man and Spider Ham have both been able to hold their versions of the Hulk with their webbing. Now, Hulk, how many, how many pounds do you think the Hulk could lift, Ray? Uh, 100 tons he's 100 ton okay, class. 100 tons that's way more than 75,000 pounds now you you can agree on which uh, form of the math you like ray i know what i saw lilo a seven-year-old girl dragging him around the room when he didn't want to do something i saw the sister carry him in his arm there's no way he weighs 300 pounds anyway i'll i'll leave that to simmer for you ray uh let's go for my point number two let's talk about spider ham's experience in fighting oh and also ray you're always talking about the judges. You didn't listen to what I said in the last point, and you just ignored it. I did say, I said, I said literally he could be flattened and pop up immediately. So if, so if Stitch stuff something pop flattens him, he that did nothing to him. He's going to pop up immediately. Stitch is not going to know what to do with that. We've, I said we've seen him do the whole duck season, rabbit season, reverse psychology attack. What that attack usually means is Elmer Fudd's shooting himself in the face because he thinks <laughs> he's the duck, right? Or Daffy, somebody's getting shot. The point is, you're you're harming yourself with the reverse psychology attack. That's a very strong attack on Stitch, who is, ha- for a supercomputer, he's very immature and very emotionally fragile, and he also eats like trash and things like that. So I, I, I'm having a hard time putting those two things together. He's a supercomputer, but it seems like most of his things are he reacts to something that happens and then he has a good plan. Uh, I, w- I wish one of these characters had something where they could react before they got hit by something. Uh, and also the whole Scooby-Doo multiplying bodies going in and out of doors. I said that. That's another thing. Creates weapons from nothing, right? We'll hear more about that later. Anyway, point two, he's a scientific genius. He got bit by May Porker and he's now likely to win a battle with his brain as with his brawn. We're talking about a guy who designed his own web shooters in a couple days. We already said he made a danger room like the X-Men. He's created—he's defeated magical characters like Dr. Doom twice, He's created giant characters like Hogzilla. So I'll say they both kind of fought a good range of kind of characters. Hogzilla can knock down a building. He he, he beat Hogzilla easily. He, he he even beat Kangaroo the Conqueror. Magical, time-traveling, teleporting character. So we've seen him beat big characters. We've seen him see magical characters, time-traveling characters. He even, we even saw him, he also breaks the wall, disarms people with wisecracks. Stitch is very distractible. We haven't seen anyone break the wall, fourth wall before. He's never seen that. We've also seen Spider-Ham fight a character very similar to Stitch. There was an alien that got kicked off his spaceship for eating all the food and being smelly. Smells so bad they call him B.O., by the way. Just kind of a wild, powerful fighter who eats everything in sight. Sound familiar? Spider-Ham recognizes his power from his spidey sense, so he sits back. He's like, this guy's powerful. I'm going to sit back and set a trap. Puts out a giant crate of yeast. Says, hey, don't eat all that yeast. B.O., of course, is like, I'm going to eat this yeast. Eats the old crate. Swells up from the rising yeast. He pokes him so hard. That he flies up into the air from all the air and the yeast, and people think that he's a new comet in the sky. People are calling into NASA saying, "Hey, there's a new comet. Name it after me." That's some power. I know he's gonna. Robert Clark Shannon say he has bulletproof skin. Didn't like we said, didn't stop a needle from penetrating skin very easily. So I gotta believe Spider Man with his very pointy spider fingers could do the same thing with his immense power. Bye bye, Stitch. Have a nice trip. And there was even a Marvel issue where Spider-Man merges with a cosmic being to become the cosmic power of Captain Zooniverse. I know this is kind of one-off, but I just mentioned it to you to kind of tell you where his head's at, how competitive he is, how big of a chip of the shoulder he has. He does not he gets this cosmic power. He has the power to do whatever he wants. Does he decide to end all the wars? No. He decides he's going to take out every villain in the Zooniverse in such a dominating fashion that every other hero will retire, leaving him as the strongest and only hero left in the Zooniverse. Literally calls himself a piggy pig. And there's a whole page of him just one shot KOing. He turns into one punch man with the cosmic power. One shots every villain in the universe. The point is Spider-Ham does not like to lose. He doesn't like to be underestimated or made fun of. He's not just some fun loving spider pig with powers. He's got an attitude. He's a genius. He's fought and defeated all types of villains. So nothing will surprise him, especially with his vaunted Spidey sense. And that's my point number two.
0: Okay, that's cute and all. But uh, Stitch so has him outclassed. Sure, Peter Porker has had dozens of villains. Stitch literally has hundreds of iterations of pre-stitches, some of them much more powerful than him in various aspects. He's taken care of them all because that was the whole point of the series is he had to get the other 625 experiments. So he's done all this stuff. A, a flattened enemy? He's going to know what to do with that because he's been there. He's done that. Be- eating yeast and getting swollen up? He's been fed so much food that he turns into a giant bloated balloon. I think that was french fry. They just gave him... a. Um, all this fatty food and made him uh, super huge and fat. He came back from that. The duck season, rabbit season thing. He did that in the movie. They had the overloading plasma uh, gun and who got stuck with it. Jumba did because he is smart. Is he wise? No. And anybody who's played D and D can tell you that wisdom and intelligence are not the same thing. So yeah, occasionally he makes some mistakes, but he's got it here where it counts. He's smart. We're not even going to talk to uh, really about this whole Captain's Universe thing because you know what? Uh, Stitch has been there. He has gone to become the most the strongest uh, person in the universe. And you know what he chose? He chose love over that instead. He chose Ohana because Ohana means family. I will give you this. Doctor Doom is a pretty great name. I like that one much better than Hulk Bunny. Hulk Bunny. Hulk Bunny.
1: All right. Race to Canis. You've heard two points from Robert Clark Chan. You've heard two points from Brent Pope. We're now at the turning point. Something you are completely unfamiliar with. This oh, is yeah. where you, Raisa Canis have to tell us who is ahead in this battle and what the other side has to do to pull off a victory.
2: Well, let's talk about point number two really, really quick. Because Robert Clark Chan did some amazing things. He did some pandering. He did some tearing down of the uh, infinite mass punch. I I know pandering when I hear it, and I love it. So I will say right now, uh, you know, uh, there's a huge debate here. Now, does he weigh three hundred pounds? Does Stitch weigh, or does he weigh twenty? Five pounds i i i have no idea i'm gonna have to do some of my own research like i was on some <laughs> other podcast i'm gonna find out my own answer because i don't think either of you are giving me the correct information there so i'm gonna have to figure that one out on myself now chan you lost me a little bit talking about math you lost me a little bit talking about science two things i don't i don't know I don't understand. You may as well have been speaking French like James Gavsey. It did not really hit well with me when you started breaking down numbers. Now, uh, Brent Pope, you, you doubled down on the Toon Force, and I think you were correct to do so. I don't think, after point number one, I did respect his Toon Force ability as much as I should have, so I'm glad that you did that. Dr. Doom, if he's anything like Dr. Doom, that is a, that is a universe-controlling type of enemy. I'd like to hear more about Stitch's enemies and how maybe they would compare to a Dr. Doom, because if it's what I'm assuming that it is, and Brent Pope, you could tell me, uh, that's a very, very impressive feat. And how big is Hogzilla? Are we are we Godzilla size or considerably less?
3: You oh, you want to know Hogzilla yes. from the comics? He looks like he's about five stories tall. Okay, great. The one thing you say about
2: uh, being bulletproof, Kevlar is bulletproof, but swords can still go through. You know, I've made that point many times in the show, so that would explain the needle being able to go through, but not that. And then Captain's Universe, one-off power, but I do appreciate that, most powerful in his universe. Stitch apparently was also the most powerful in his universe. To me, that's a little bit of a wash. I think that looking at what I'm looking at here, I see when Robert Clark Chan said that the wisdom wasn't there for Stitch. I'm not hearing how the wisdom isn't there for Spider-Ham. So it seems like if we're going to base it a little bit on smarts right now and kind of bring that into the picture, you've got a scientific genius, and you've got somebody who was smart enough to let Aunt May, uh, May Porker, think that he was her nephew when he wasn't because he saw a good thing right away. I'm kind of, I'm Brent Pope, you're gaining some points back on me. Uh, I still think Stitch by like 100 to 99 right now. This is literally anyone's ball game. Stitch maybe still I need more specifics about those enemies, but the whole ground has been made up right now. This is anyone's ball game. I want to hear point 3 going for the gold. So we are almost at a dead heat. Ray Sicanis admits that
1: when you speak math, you may as well be talking about wizardry and magic, but yet he says that it's 99 to 100 in terms of who's in the lead by a fraction of a point. I will also say I don't know what those numbers mean. That's fair. All right, point number three. This is the make it or break it. So with that being said, Robert Clark Chan, give us the KO. Hit us with your point number three.
0: Man, this is rough because... uh... Ray asked for specificity, then I gave it to him, but I had forgotten that his weakness is numbers. So specific numbers aren't helping a lot. I'll say this. Uh, uh, Peter Porker was an accident. He accidentally came to his powers. He was born a spider. Stitch was bred for this. He was bred to destroy. He was bred to take things down. And I'm going to go and say that, like, he had so many enemies that I'd even bother looking that far into because I know that, you know, just piling on foes isn't usually a good tactic here. But I will say that. Uh, Over 65 episodes of the Lilo and Stitch series, he fought any number of different kinds of villains that are nearly his equal. But it doesn't just stop there, because there wasn't just the Lilo and Stitch series, there were two overseas series that are also canon to the Stitch mythology. There were 85 episodes of Stitch, an anime set in Japan, and 13 episodes of Stitch and I set in China. In the anime, Lilo's grown up, so Stitch splits and meets up with a girl named Yuna in Japan. He goes off in search of the spiritual stone to become the strongest in the universe. You think Stitch is badass now? Try Stitch meets Goku. He gets that stone and chooses instead with his one wish not to be the strongest in the universe, but to spend his uh, days with Yuna. Again, the spirit of Ohana is stronger it Like, he has that power in his grasp, and he chooses something even better, okay? That is strength. In Stitch and I, Stitch splits again. He ends up back on Earth. This time, Jumba discovers a series of scrolls. So now, instead of fighting scientific monstrosities, he's going up against magical ones. And we've long since established that the magic is stronger than science on the show. He's leveling up again. It's also where we discover Stitch's final form. He has a previously unrevealed metamorphosis program. Multiple criminal groups spend the series trying to activate this final form, and when they do, they basically get Godzilla. Five stories tall, he's at least 300 feet tall with four laser-firing tentacles that sprout from his back, We can conservatively estimate his weight at 164 tons, and we go back to the myofibril in his muscles. We can scale up that strength 3,000 times the body weight of Godzilla, 492 million tons. So what's going to happen in this battle? Starts out simple enough. Spider-Ham accidentally knocks Stitch Ukulele out of his hands. Quips are traded both combatants attempt to out-chibi each other with increasingly adorable antics. But then a switch gets flipped. Lilo's young daughter, Ani, who looks just like a young Lilo, gets caught in a crossfire. Just like Into the Spider-Verse, someone close to Stitch dies, and he goes berserk. Morals are switched off. Switch becomes the engine of destruction he was designed to be. His spines extend. He grows, he grows, he grows, he decimates all of New York. He makes the Chitauri invasion look like Power Pack as he levels every building within a 10-mile radius. Spider Ham lies bleeding and manages to gasp. I like jumping in muddy puddle. Oh, wait, that's not my catchphrase. You want to know who he's beaten? I'll tell you who he's beaten. Captain Gantu. Kevin Michael Richardson. Who's that? Oh, I don't know. The Predator? Experiment 626. Rob Paulson, oh yeah. Stitch just beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Donatello. Cobra Bubbles, played by Ving Rames. he beat Marcellus Wallace. He beat Marcellus Wallace. And of course, Experiment 221, played by Frank Welker. So you know what that means? That means the Stitches beat Chrome Dome, Rat Bat, Sharktacons, Wheelies, Blades, Frenzy, Skywarp, Sludge, Ravage, Mirage, Rumble, Galvatron, Soundwave, and oh yeah, a little guy named Megatron. Basically every Transformer ever. Three things to remember, Judge. The Infinite Mass Punch is bollocks, and if it did exist, Stitch stuffs it. Iceman is not an Omega level mutant, and if he were, Stitch would stuff him. I'm right. Ray is right. So by the transit of property, you must vote for me because the alternative is unthinkable, and not printable on T-shirts available from the Who Would Win website. That's my point number three.
3: Wow. Okay, let's push back a little bit on some of this. I, look, Chan, I have to say this: you are a great. You're a great great orator, uh, great research. All this stuff. It all sounds great. Uh, a couple things. Toon for us- We've never seen Spider-Ham bleed. We've never seen anyone in the Zooniverse bleed, so I have to believe that's not going to happen. And uh, gosh, I just hope with this perfect uh, number 626 Stitch that he doesn't have any weaknesses because if he's so great and so perfect, hmm, oh, I hope they aren't anywhere near the water because everyone knows that Stitch cannot go in the water. His body is too dense. He sinks right to the bottom. It happened in Lilo and Stitch. He was about to drown, and the dumb surfer boy got him, got him and got him out of the water pulled him out with one arm again you know I mean he's a little bit stronger but still now I don't think he's 300 pounds I don't think he's 100 pounds if somebody's pulling him under out out from under the water with one arm just saying and who is he fighting Look, you can say as much as you want. All the things I saw was he's fighting. They're all created by this mad scientist. He's fighting a bunch of other imperfect experiments who he calls his cousins. Just like Stitch, who, you know, for being perfect, sinks right to the bottom of of the ocean. I bet they wouldn't have built him that way again. That's probably why he had number 627 and number 628, because he kept trying to perfect them, and he couldn't. Anyway, point number three for Spider-Ham. This is all about Spider-Ham's ability, and listen up, Ray, to raise his power to whatever level he needs to get the job done and how that will play out in this battle. And let's not forget, his job is fighting supervillains. He's not a lab experiment who fights his neighbors and his cousins who's also experimental, not perfected creatures from the lab on his home planet. He's fighting real supervillains like Dr. Doom, Hogzilla, King Pig, (laughs) Dr. Octopussycat, the Green Gobbler, Kangaroo the Conqueror, you know, real supervillains. Look, earlier I talked about his spider sense that warns him of danger. What I didn't talk about, Ray, was the ultimate toon force that he has. It's a power that takes Spider-Ham from impressive to dang near unbeatable. And this power is called the spider nonsense. It's true, spider nonsense allows Spider-Ham to become even more cartoony than he is in, when he's in real danger. Think of it as the Toon Force version of like Super Saiyan. The most famous time he uses this spider nonsense was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We all saw it at the end of the movie when the ultimate baddie of the film, the Scorpion, is about to deal the death blow to Penny Parker and her spider robot. Spider-Ham's spider nonsense kicks in. Out of nowhere, he drops a giant anvil on Scorpion's head, draws his attention. Scorpion laughs at him, calls him a cartoon. He says, you got a problem with cartoons? And then it is on. Spider-Ham's offended, saying... He does some karate punches. He does some kicks. He does a couple web attacks. And out of nowhere pulls a giant mallet, or as he calls it, a hammer. Runs up Scorpion, jumps super high above his head. Does a kind of Thor Mjolnir spinning hammer thing. And then comes right down on Scorpion's dome with the giant hammer. Blammo, it says on the screen. And he is knocked out. And before he can recover, they do the whole Scorpion gets pitched to Penny Parkin like a baseball. And she hits a home run with him. And then Scorpion, the big baddie of the Spider-Verse, is defeated. Not by Miles Morales, not by Peter Parker or any other version of Spider-Man, but by Spider-Ham with his spider nonsense, which proves he's the strongest and the most dangerous version of Spider-Man. This is nothing that Stitch has ever seen, Toon Force, let alone being able to defeat Spider-Ham. It's just not going to happen. So Spider-Ham is able to elevate to seemingly unbeatable power levels, whatever he needs to win the fight. Unfortunately, Stitch, based on what his own creator said, the mad scientist, can only lift 3,000 times his own weight, Of his tiny 20 to 25 pound body not an ounce more he just doesn't have that next level he wasn't made that way in the laboratory and if you want a story of how i think this battle goes down here goes i think stitch throws some wild attacks spidey ham dodges easily because of his spidey sense stitch tries to use his plasma gun spidey ham jams up the guns with the webbing we saw a plasma gun get jammed with a simple carrot in lilo and stitch so i have a feeling that the webbing will definitely work and then he goes for a web attack Cases him in webbing. We saw Stitch get completely caught up in Captain Gantu's net cannon. Couldn't avoid it. Couldn't get out of it. And Spidey's webbing is way more powerful than that. And Spidey's web attacks are way faster than Captain Gantu. And if Stitch even happens to, I don't know, run over Spider Ham with with a with a truck or a steamroller, Spider Ham is just gonna pop right back up. None for the worse for wear. No way for him to really damage Spider Ham in any meaningful way. And then if. If Spider-Ham ever feels threatened, then it's spider nonsense time and Stitch is taking a giant anvil or hammer to the head and he's getting knocked unconscious just like he did four times in the Lilo and Stitch movie. Spidey wraps him up in all that webbing that was able to control Hulk Bunny and the Incredible Hulk in other universes. Stitch ain't getting out no way, no how. We've seen all these things actually play out in the two combatants' respective worlds. It's a now up in here. That is my point number three. And also, this is a random encounter. He won't see any of this food toon force coming. He hasn't faced anyone like this. Stitch, I'm sorry. You know it's true. You're from a more realistic-based universe. Not your fault. I know that Ohana means family, but Ohama means you're about to get knocked out again by literally a ham-fisted hero. And that's my point number three. Well,
0: you know what? I'm just going to let that entire point lie because... Nothing, all you're doing is just bringing back everything you've said before. You have nothing new to offer against a Godzilla sized stitch. Strength overpowers overwhelmingly. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I just feel sad for you. Feel sad for you.
3: Well, that's nonsense, or should I say, spidey nonsense?
1: Wow. All right. Race to Canis. What a Titanic. Wow. It's time for you to make a decision. You've heard three points from Robert Clark Chan. You've heard three points from Brent Pope, the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle
2: between Stitch and Spider-Ham. There's a lot of things we have to break down when talking about this battle. And first off, let me just say what y'all just did is not easy to do. I've done it one or two times myself in the past, and I will say both of you did your research. Both of you brought the points. It's easy to sit back and say what you could do, but when you actually are sitting in the spotlight having to produce, it is real, real hard, and you both absolutely knocked it out of the park. I start off with, the, with, the, with defensive abilities, okay? We talk about endurance. We talk about the ability to take a punch, and you have Stitch, who is bulletproof, fireproof. I mean, this is ridiculous. He's made of snot, However, as Brent Popes did mention, he's been knocked out four different times, and a needle was able to penetrate him. That's a pretty big deal. And Spider-Ham, at the exact other side of things, has uh, been flattened. He's had buildings fall on him. He's had all manner of these uh, things happen, and he also seems to be very, very durable as well. So durability side, I have to call it, so far, a push. That one didn't push it over for me. We talk about the strength. Now, I looked up a little bit of Stitch uh, while I had a moment free. And Stitch was mistaken for a collie by uh, the little girl in the movie I discovered. Now, a collie on the upper side weighs about 45 pounds. Now, I don't know what 45 times 3,000 is. It could literally be any number at all. Now, my question is, is that more than 25 tons? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Like, math and science are lost on me. Now, if we talk a little bit about the pandering, uh, Robert Clark Chan, you win the battle based on pandering alone. Brent Pope, you 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 didn't suck up to me as much I would have liked, which should make me respect you more, but regrettably, it does not. I will take all the pandering that I can get. I will take the Iceman not being Ole- Omega-level mutant. Look, Robert Clark Chan has been around the show long enough He knows the buttons to push, and I will say right now, he pushed every single button, which made it very, very difficult uh, on you, quite honestly. Now, it comes down to the types of enemies that they fought. Well, okay, fine, no problem. Well, they both have fought a huge amount of enemies. We have supervillains on one side. We have failed lab experiments who cause a problem on the other. I will say, I think Spider-Hams enemies are a lot more varied and a lot more... I'm not buying the whole he fought Fing Rhames at every character. He fought Frank Welker at every character. James Gavsey tried that with Mr. T in the A-Team battle very recently, and I wasn't having it there, Robert Clark Chan, and I am not having it now. So you gotta then swing the pendulum back to a winner of uh, uh, Spider-Ham taking the lead in that moment right there. Now, we talk about the final pointer, which is the Tune Force. You have Stitch who has the ability to uh, seemingly defy reality in his own world. It sure seems like it, you know, because apparently, according to Robert Clark Chaney weighs 300 pounds, but can be carried by small children. So already some sort of weirdness is happening there. At the same time, dropping an anvil on someone's head and hitting them with a hammer in order to be the actual version of Spider-Man that wins the Spider-Verse movie. That is pretty excellent. Now, what it all comes down to for me And where I find myself leaning in this battle in the final moment is who can successfully put down the other one, who made the better case that their offense can overcome the opponent's defense, and who gave me specific examples of why they think that could happen. And at the end of the day, what I have found to be true is that I did not hear from Robert Clark Chan how Spider-Ham would ultimately face his final defeat in a way that Spider-Ham has been defeated in his own comics. But I did hear from Brent Pope multiple different ways, whether it's the can't swim aspect, if we get near water and drop him in, whether it's the he's been knocked out four times, that's a tough thing to come back from in his own movie. I did not hear exactly how Spider-Ham would take the loss, but I did hear examples of how Stitch takes the loss. Which brings me all the way back to the anime point once again, because what happens in the Dragon Ball Z universe when you get defeated? You come back stronger than you ever have before. To find out that was in his own anime, seemingly aping a Super Saiyan, those four knockouts actually work to his advantage. And so at the end of the day, when I heard all of the points being made, I felt going into the final rebuttal that Brent Pope had done enough to put Spider-Ham over the top. And in Robert Clark Chan's final rebuttal, he did not meet that level and overcome it. Therefore, Spider-Ham is the winner. Brent Pope got the win today. I really thought a crushing final rebuttal from Robert Clark Chan would have put Stitch over the top, but he chose to let it sit, to let it lie there, and when you do that, when you're slightly behind, regrettably, you take the loss. There we go. I'm, I'm sorry.
0: Did the judge not listen to what I was saying? A 300-foot-tall, four-laser-firing tentacle Godzilla stitch is going to squash Spider-Ham... What do I have to do to then, get through to look, this judge? I will tell
2: you. And first off, it's a great James Gavsey impression you're doing right now. <laughs> but what I would say is Brent Pope brought me a specific. He fought Hogzilla, who was a similar type of character. So he'd have that experience and he was able to overcome it. That specific. Five
0: stories.
2: stories. Look, and here's the deal. Those types of specifics Put Brent Pope up above, and I'm sorry, Robert Clark Chan. In the final rebuttal, you fell a little flat. You had a chance. I gave you every opportunity, and unfortunately, you struck out with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs>
0: this is garbage. I wish there were. A th- I was some way, some way that I could just get a last, some sort of, some sort of third degree on you somehow. So just grind it in. I wish. Ugh, if only there were some sort of paid service that would offer that. It's a pity there isn't. They're really, We should really work on that. Yeah, totally.
3: Ray, now that I've won, I'm going to say you're a very good-looking guy. Uh, very wise decision. <laughs> I, I'm glad you—look, I, I think you saw through Chan. He had nothing to offer at the end. He knew that anything it was just going to fall on deaf ears. It wasn't going to be enough. So I, I respect Chan for just, like, letting it lie, taking the fifth, no. whatever you want to call it. And I have to say, I've defeated James in a live show. I have defeated Robert Clark Chan with with Ray uh, judging. I feel like I, I'm undefeated. I have nothing else to prove on this show as a judge. So, I've, you know, I should retire now as 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 someone who's a as a, a debater on the show. That's that's a very uh,
1: a high opinion of yourself, young man. You haven't taken on race to yet directly. Uh, also, I'll I'll remind everyone who was at that live show. Or in case you didn't know, uh, someone said I debated better, but I just like Star Wars better. Therefore, I'm taking the side of Brent Pope. Not wow. the most, you know, clear-cut thing, but enough of that. Listen, both of you guys did a great <laughs> job. Both of you showed the world that this is not an easy thing to do, and yet both of you made it look very, very easy. My hat is off to both of you gentlemen. Ray Sicanis, you were also here. Well done, sir. Tell everyone where they can find you.
2: Well, you can of course find me at patreon.com slash who would win show. If you'd like to see a third degree from Robert Clark Chan talking to me, don't go there because it will not exist. You can also find me on Twitter at <laughs> Almighty Ray. I, I, I would say that I have a lot more respect for every judge who's ever sat in this chair before. But that simply isn't true. This is a painfully easy thing to get right. I got it right today. I get, And now I'm going to be more angry when a judge sits here and gets it wrong.
1: Wow. Okay. Well played. All right. Robert Clark Chan, I, I thought you had it a number of times here. You came up a little bit short, but you did a great job. Tell everyone where they can find you.
0: You can find me online on Twitter at 999 RPMs. I got a podcast called Knowing is Half the Podcast. That might be worth checking out. Uh, I got a podcast called My Three Dads, which is a fun podcast. If you're a parent or whatever, or you uh, wonder what the state of kids cartoons are these days uh also got a podcast called ae double back if you watch aew uh elite wrestling you might find that enjoyable i don't know take your pick
1: all great shows by the way all great shows now brent pope congratulations again on a well-earned victory uh executive vp of who would win shining bright as always tell everyone where they can find you online
3: well, you can find me at my podcast, Breakfast with Brent Pope, Brentfast.com or you can go to brentpope.com. There's a store there. You can buy cool uh, merch there. James, you've been on the show. Ray's been on the show. Maybe Chan, maybe Robert Clark Chan will be on the show eventually. I'd like to have him on. He's kind of—I I consider Robert Clark Chan an evil genius—and I'm, I'm uh, very honored that Ray chose me because I know how hard it is to beat Robert Clark Chan in an argument. And even if it was just in Ray's opinion, I will take it. I'll take it all with way to the bank. Anyway, BrentPope.com. See all the the all my TV appearances and stuff there. But Breakfast, its where Hollywood meets great food. I think you guys will like this show. You should check it out. And that's, yeah, that's where I am right now. And on various TV shows, you know, smattering here and there. Very cool. All right, you can find me
1: on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts, especially on patreon.com slash Who Would Win Show. On behalf of myself, Ray Stekanis, the Geek & Game Facebook community, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win? We'll see you next time. Hey, gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.
3: Sup, everyone.
1: Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's Map?
3: What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies,
1: Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia!